Hey everybody out there, this is Matthew with the Jio Nation podcast, a podcast about me and my travels around the world, the people I meet, the adventures that ensue, and um, just basically the uh, first person uh, story of a man as he joy- uh, enjoys his, uh, his tour around the world on a recumbent trike. If you're interested in reading more about my trip or learning some more about the backstory that you may not find here, you can look it up at jayo.com, J-A-Y-O-E.com. Now I'm talking to you from my office in Ningbo, China, uh, two hours south of Shanghai, on the other side of the world to probably most of you listening to this thing. And uh, I'm not on the road yet, although it is becoming closer and closer as we soon hear about my friend Ryan's visa, which will allow him to come into China and start the tour with me. If you're uh, keeping it all on my uh, Facebook account or on my website, uh, my Facebook is J-A-Y-O-E-L-I-F-E, jayolife.com, then you might have seen a, a video. A uh, video that's very raw, not very uh, clean, but tells an interesting story. The story of my first ride, fully assembled, with uh, a full load of equipment, and finally getting a chance to test out my fully loaded trike. Um, the uh, the mission was to uh, attach my new Schlumpf drive, uh, my Veltop cover, load the trailer up, put all my flags on display, and uh, try and get an idea of how the thing rides with a uh, with a good full load. Now, um, the load that I took today was not as heavy as the one I estimated on my uh, on my uh, calculations before. I actually uh, took off about fifteen or twenty kilos worth of uh, one of them was a, a heavy unipod that uh, goes up about nine feet tall. That would really give me some beautiful videos from high above. But I figured uh, weight-wise, probably not the best idea. Another thing that I ditched was a uh, Glidecam 4000. It's, uh, it's, it's a really beautiful thing if you're shooting with a DSLR and you want that uh, smooth movement. So, like, for example, if you're ever on a video set and you see a guy and underneath his camera he's got this contraption hooked up with a pole that goes down and weights on either side that balances the camera and he's running around with this thing, yet his running is not translated to bobbing up and down on the camera. The camera is literally staying stable as he moves around. In my mind, I close my eyes, I see rolling mountain uh, landscapes and... uh, and uh, prairies and uh, village roads where uh, you have no idea that the camera is actually, uh, you know, attached to the ground in any way. It almost looks like it's flying. And uh, I, uh, I love this tool. I've used it many times, but I guess I, I, I just can't take it uh, with the weights. Actually, it is, it is weighted on the bottom. It actually has these these heavy steel weights at the bottom that, that stabilize the camera from uh, a distance, uh, which softens all of those movements that you'd normally make if you're holding onto a camera bare bones. Um, so I got rid of it. So uh, my videos on the road are just not going to have that beautiful flair that I wanted to have uh, when, when I chose to carry it.
But I figured if I loaded it up with as much as I wanted, now I can start taking away and finding out what I need. So you start with what you want and you end up with what you need. So those things were not necessarily things I needed because I do have other stabilizers that are smaller that stabilize the GoPros and things. And uh, of course, the drone, which has a stabilizer on it. So uh, these things will uh, aid in creating that smooth footage. It just won't be able to do it with the DSLR. The horns honking are a sign that it is uh, time to go home. And it's 5.09 p.m. on October 20th, uh, 2015. And uh, Chinese roads are are a mess around 5 o'clock because everybody's trying to get home. So uh, my load, what else did I get rid of? I got rid of some clothing. I had packed some shorts that were not made of that lightweight material. I was just trying to figure out if I took everything I wanted, uh, what would I have? And uh, it wasn't necessarily what I needed. So I was able to shave off a bunch of pieces of clothing, um, actually quite some considerable amount of clothing. And what I ended up with was a lighter ride. I don't know exactly. I'm going to have to weigh it out as I shed some more uh, items. But, uh, um, you know, everything that I can shed is a good thing. So I loaded up uh, my ride ride, my ride load, and uh, put on my flags, which uh, are uh, blue, purple blue or Purple Sky is the brand name by, that was bought by a company called TerraCycle uh, that supplied me my flags, uh, as well as the flags that were given to me by uh, Shelly Strassener, which uh, I'm, uh, I, I was able to work out a little bit on this, uh, on this test ride. Um, uh, the ride itself uh, was around 65 uh, kilometers. If you go to my website, I'll leave a link for the for the uh, uh, Garmin uh, information. But uh, I was wearing a heart monitor, a cadence meter, and a speedometer, all going into a Garmin uh, Edge 1000. And this was a good opportunity for me to get some data on the road. And uh, it recorded that my ride was around uh, 62 to 65 kilometers. I'm not exactly sure which one, but... Uh, uh, it was broken into a couple of pieces. It was kind of like a fun day trip with some activities involved. And there were actually three distinct rides uh, that kind of culminated in the whole day. Um, the ride around Dongqian Lake is fantastic because it gives you a uh, collage of different uh, challenges. And you can see them all in the video um, from inclines to long steady uh, rises to uh, really nice fast downhills and uh, I got to uh, work out my schlumpf a little bit and uh, kind of get in the mode it was good uh, one thing I noticed was uh, as I was riding around I was really handling the weight which even with me shedding some pounds, I was still above what I was when I uh, had the accident before. So um, I'm really trying to get a feel for how this added weight is going to change the ride for me. And uh, it was really nice. The inclines didn't challenge my legs as much as uh, I thought they might. And the declines were all the merrier because I had a little extra weight to give me some momentum. Uh, one thing that I did find, though, and let me go to the actual page with the link, is uh, a guy named uh, Paul Hill uh, had been kind of hounding me about what my hub gear ratio was. Uh, 
So I, uh, he gave me a link uh, for bikefix.com.uk. That's bikefix.co.uk backslash hub slash gear slash calculator. And he says, Matt, you need to tell us uh, the technical end of, of your gear ratio so that uh, we all can understand the techie side of your ride. And he says, Matt, you know, it's really important that you should know these things. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, I'm not a, I'm not a big guy on the, on the actual mechanics. I just feel. He's like, I can feel my gear ratios. I can feel this feels good, this feels bad. And uh, he's like, oh, no, no, you got you to gotta know the nitty gritty. So I went here and I calculated my gear ratio. I took into consideration my front chain ring, ring which is a 34, my tires, which are 20 uh, by 1.75s, uh, 44, uh, not 44, they are, uh, they're 406s for sure. I think they're 47 406s. And uh, roll-off speed hub and the Schlumpf high speed drive. And, uh, and it gives you basically what your ratio is uh, per gear, per gear with the front drive engaged and per gear with the front drive as a direct drive. And it was really interesting. What I found out was that when the Schlumpf drive is engaged, and I kind of felt this on the ride the other day, was when the Schlumpf drive is engaged, the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth gear are all in the end range of the drive when it's disengaged. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that when it's going direct drive, not engaging the Schlumpf drive, the uh, 14, 13, 12, 11, 10, 9 gear is the same um benefit ratio the same basically the same gearing as the first second third fourth fifth and sixth gear when the front uh, schlumpf drive is engaged you're kind of overlapping these gears you're not getting a benefit from uh from that so it's kind of like from one to uh, uh let's see one to eight yeah, one to eight when it's just direct drive, you're getting one to eight are, are actual uh, beneficial gears. And then from seven to 14, when the uh, high speed drive is engaged, uh, I'm getting benefit. But those uh, gears that, that are in the six gear range on the top end of the direct drive and on the bottom end of the uh, high speed drive when the schlumpf is engaged are kind of overlapping. So I'm kind of like losing the benefit of six places on my uh, on my gears. Um, and Paul uh, kind of was talking to me about it. He said, you know, um, that could be a consideration. Maybe you should take the schlumpf off because you're not getting you're, you're basically wasting those six positions of gears. And you might as well just not have the schlumpf sort of. He was saying this. And uh, I said, oh, no, 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 no. To be honest, uh, I knew that there was overlap. I could tell that when I shift, uh, when I shifted my Schlumpf drive into engaged mode, that I had to go way, way high in the gear ratios in order to get the benefit. Because, uh, because I'm, because uh, I could hit the top end of the direct drive and then I shift it and I'd bring it down to eight, and I work my way up from there. I hope this doesn't sound too technical, but uh, trust me, it makes sense. Um, 
so he said, maybe it's not beneficial enough to have the drive. And I said, actually, um, the, the benefit lies in the top and the bottom and to live in between, even if there's some overlap is fine for me. Like if, if you look at my uh, setup, I have a initial direct drive chain ring of 34 teeth. If you multiply that by 1.65, I'm all the way up into the 56s. So 56 tooth chain ring is a is a is a monster. It's a big uh, it's a big ring. So it definitely benefits me in a way that I wouldn't have if I was running a direct uh, a direct drive or even having a uh, um, a derailleur with a couple of rings on the front because I couldn't get the, the range from 34 to 56. I just didn't have that chain, the chain length. Uh, there's be too much slack there. I think, I think that's what the reason is, but uh, either way, I don't think that I could have that big of a range. And, and when I was the great thing about having, uh, obviously we all know the great thing about having a low, uh, tooth chain ring. It's on the inclines. You can shift all the way down the first spin your legs around and then walk up that hill as slow as you can, but it's not as, it's not taxing your legs to the point to where you're you're not able to overcome those hills uh, but to have a have a have a really large ring it gives you the benefit of the length of the of this uh, the length of that tire you know that length of the of the rotation because when you're um, accelerating down a hill even if it's a, a slight decline a slight decline no matter uh no matter how steep it is, uh, you can gain momentum as long as the road is in one piece. Obviously, if it's potholes everywhere, no matter up or down or whatnot, you're going to go slow because you don't want to be hitting those holes. But if you got a good tarmac, you got good road, and you've got a slight decline, you can just start working that high gear and and you're just pushing it and pushing it. And pretty soon that high gear is rolling like like you're giving it very little torque. It's just cruising and you're picking your speed up. Uh, on this recent ride, I was up into the 50s, uh, the kilometers per hour, and I was enjoying, you know, I was enjoying the ride uh, a lot. And and even even when you hit uh, a flat, right, let's go, let's go. We're going from a slight decline. You've picked up all that momentum. You're running it like about 50 or 55 kilometers per hour. As soon as you hit that, uh, straight away that you lose that you you lose a decline you're just rolling on a flat road you can maintain because you add so much weight behind you. you as long as you put a little torque on that 56 tooth ring you can keep that momentum for quite some time if the road is extremely uh well made you can keep that going almost indefinitely at that really high speed with all that weight now you hit a red light, a car cuts you off, a bike, you know, intersects you, you get hit some bad road, you bring it all the way back down to zero, then starting out again, you start low gears, move your way up. You probably won't be able to hit that 56 on that flat road again without really trying to hoof it or the road being absolutely perfect. And uh, even then, you'd still need a little decline to give yourself a, a little bit of uh, extra push from behind. Um, but having the, I wish I could go even higher. I mean, I wish, 
I wish there was a way I could get way up into the 70 or 70, even the 80s, because if I could go downhill with like an 80 tooth ring, something major, then I could just push it and push it and push it. And pretty, I think I got to get it up to around 70 or I was 75 on the, on the last ride. I had an extremely steep uh, off ramp that I was riding on. There wasn't a lot of track. I think the, the, the highway was closed or was new or something. And I was riding down this thing and I just picked up some amazing amount of speed and uh, it was really enjoyable. And with the trike, you know, you're very stable. So it, as long as the road's straight, you don't have any problems. And, uh, but, uh, obviously we don't have that. I have a 56 and to, to sacrifice, uh, the 56 for say a, uh, you know, a, a, a direct drive or a fixed gear on the front to save me weight. Uh, no way, no way. I'll, I'll stick with what I got, but it was good to know that I have six overlapping gears and, uh, I learned that. So, uh, the Schlumpf behaved great. Uh, my flags were awesome. Um, the uh, the donated flag that I got, um, I shifted up a little higher, and uh, it it caught the air just enough to where it wasn't dragging me down, but it was uh, providing a lot of action, and the action attracted a lot of friendly smiles and faces and people stopping in the middle of traffic to take my picture and. Some in some ways, it's it's uh, I'm riding, I'm causing more danger for other people than I am myself because everybody sees me, so they see me, I'm safe, but they're not safe because they stop in the middle of the street and try and take pictures, which is uh, amusing yet still kind of shakes my head. You know, I sh- I shake my head at it like uh, these people are just not safe <laughs> for their own benefit. So um, I was also uh, riding amongst a lot of, like I said, traffic, which was which was good, uh, showing me how, how people respond to the to the new trike setup. Um, I think that with the lights on the side, my new decals from T Cycle, and the flags and the and the vel top and everything, I'm be, I'm way more visible than I was before. Plus the the aluminum uh, trailer is a lot more glaring than uh, the fabric one I had last time, uh, which was like a red top, black sides, and aluminum bottom. It just, uh, it didn't stand out as much as this one does. That's for sure. Uh, Let me touch on something real quick. Uh, I get a few, a few people have talked to me about helmets and uh, I just want to touch base on this. Uh, A couple of people have actually chastised me and said, you know, you're a role model. You're a role model for us uh, in the triking world, and uh, if you're not wearing a helmet, it's a bad. Uh, it's it's bad, you know, to show uh, you you as a role model not wearing a helmet. Excuse me, I had to take a drink. Well, um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just a personal preference of mine. It may not be smart. It might be stupid. It it is stupid. Uh, you should wear a helmet if you can, but I don't. Uh, and, uh, I don't know what else I can say about that. I apologize. Maybe it's not the best example, but, uh, when I'm riding around, uh, for eight hours a day and, and I'm really hoofing it, uh, I'm, I've got no hair on my head and, uh, and I sweat like buckets and it's just comfortable either to wear a hat or a bandana. Uh, but wearing a helmet is is just 
it's I'm not comfortable in it. And I, I wouldn't be able to continue unless I was forced by law to wear a hat and a helmet, in which case I do. I do have a helmet. I bought one uh, uh, in the United States on my last visit and I'm prepared to wear one. Um, and I'm going to give it a try when I ride uh, again. But, you know, riding a trike, and this is no excuse, but uh, riding a trike is different than riding a bike. I know that because I got in an accident and a car rear-ended me. Um, when I was rear-ended, uh, I was flung forward. So that the, the truck hit me from behind. It ran over my trailer, destroyed my trailer, and then hit the back of the trike, sending the trike and me forward uh, about uh, 30 feet as I was tumbling, I I don't remember the tumble. It was so fast uh, that it was just kind of a blur. But I ended up adjacent to my trike by like like touching my trike basically. So I flew down the street thirty meter thirty feet, and I was not flung out of the trike very far. Uh, I think this is a testament to the durability of the trike. And it also speaks a lot to how safe they are. And uh, if you're riding a bicycle, if I was riding a bicycle in the same situation uh, when I got hit by that truck, I would have flown off of the bicycle backwards and uh, hit the truck, I'm sure, because there would have been nothing to uh, keep me uh, from resisting the momentum of the bicycle shooting forward. Uh, whereas in a trike, you're sitting in, in a ergonomic seat. Your back is being supported by a metal frame and a mesh or plastic, depending on what type of seat you have. So when the trike moves forward, you move forward. When the tri- trike fl- flips over, for the most part, you're going to flip over with that trike. You're going to move with that trike. Um, I almost feel more safe in a trike than I would on a motorcycle. Because like I said, if you get hit on a motorcycle, your body momentum and the bike's momentum are moving together, are not moving together. So uh, if somebody was to hit that motorcycle from behind, uh, you're going to fly backwards. The bike is going to fly forwards. Whereas if you get hit in a trike, most uh, most situations, I would imagine you're going to move with the trike most of the way. Um, in, in that case, you're going to be a little bit more safe because you're going to be tumbling down the street with the trike. Um, secondly, uh, thirdly, I guess, one is comfortable, two, you know, I think it's it's safe uh, to a certain extent. And then three, you know, I don't know, there's side view mirrors on a, on a, on a bike, on a trike, and uh, I just don't like to wear a helmet. <laughs> and uh, And that's just my stance. I'm sorry about it. I'm sorry, stupid, but it's just the way I am. Folks out there, you should wear a helmet as much as you can. I'm going to try to adopt it a little bit more when I start again, but uh, uh, I know these roads pretty well, and I'm confident, and I try to stay as safe as possible. This is coming from a guy who did get in an accident with a, with his trike, so, you know, I'm, I never said I was the smartest <laughs> tool in the shed, you know? Okay, folks, uh, what else? The uh, Ryan's visa is uh, should be ready in a couple of days. Um, when uh, it's ready, he's going to fly here and uh, join me. He's going to get himself a trike from Shanghai, and we're going to hit the road. 
So I'm really looking forward to that. I'm I'm running into a lot of apprehension. One of a, one of my uh, moments of apprehension is uh, Mount Everest, uh, because I'm going to be riding with the trike and the trailer and all this gear, and at a moment coming in about four or five months, I'm going to have to stop. I'm going to have to stop where I am, and find a place to store all my trike, all my trailer, all my gear, fly back to Ningbo, get all of my climbing equipment for Mount Everest, and then fly to Kathmandu to start my summit of Mount Everest. Um, I've talked to Ryan about this, and I and I, in riding with me, it gives me a, one, it gives me a partner, somebody to watch my back as I'm riding around the world, but two, it also provides me a chance to have somebody watch over my shit because uh, he doesn't necessarily have all the money in the world to climb Everest for sure. Uh, it's an extremely expensive endeavor. And if your heart's not in it 100%, I would recommend you not climb Mount Everest. And uh, Ryan doesn't have a lot of interest in, in, in doing that sort of an activity. What he said he was interested in is, is spending some time in Southeast Asia and doing some sort of like a meditation retreat. And uh, that would be great. So what I'm thinking is when uh, the time comes for me to start thinking about Everest... He's going to start scouting out a location that he can kind of bed down and do something spiritual with his time. And uh, I'll, uh, I'll just leave my stuff in his apartment somewhere if he rents an apartment for a few months or like, a, you know, uh, uh, like one of those time stays or not time stays, uh, you know, short term hotels or long term hotels, short term apartments. And uh, then I'll just leave the trike there. And I'll be on my merry way. And when I finish, I'll come back, meet him, and uh, he'll be finished with his thing. I'll be finished with my thing, and then we will continue from there. So that was a concern of mine, and I've kind of fleshed out uh, an idea for how that's going to work. And uh, so I'm excited about that. Now, uh, what else? It's getting colder. Today I'm wearing shorts and a t-shirt though, so as long as I can uh, continue uh, possibly not having to bundle up 100% winter, uh, I think it'll be okay. to be. And I was even discussing this with uh, Ryan, that the fact that if we do ride in November, uh, our body was, will be creating a lot of heat and we might enjoy having a cooler uh, outdoors to contrast uh, the fact that we're going to be you know, burning up uh, our, our, our bodies are going to be furnaces. Um, a secondary benefit to our body being furnaces is that uh, I'll be able to lose some weight, shed some kilos, shed some pounds, and uh, Ryan and I are extremely athletic together. He loves to run. He's given me the joy of, of uh, like cardio work. And together we like to just hang out and do runs and, and be healthy. So um, the time me and Ryan are going to spend together as we ride uh, south, we'll be also getting in shape for Everest. And so I'm excited about that. This is uh, the number four podcast that I have recorded for the Jayo Nation and uh, I hope that uh, everybody likes it. Um, I'm looking to the future with this thing. 
And uh, I see a lot of potential from uh, interviewing people on the road to even carrying the recording device with me on the road and doing like a rolling podcast uh, with Ryan. Um, I'm going to carry a lot of really nice recorders and, uh, and that is going to be uh, fabulous. I'll be able to get, you know, the, the good quality recording that you might get in a studio, but I'll be on all parts of the world. You know, that's, uh, that's the joy of making this a lifestyle choice. And, and, and that has allowed me the freedom to say, I'm going to spend money on doing it this way. I'm going to do it the right way because it's not a vacation. It's not like, uh, well, yeah, I'm going to do this for a month or two months. Uh, is that audio equipment going to be useful to me after the trip is over? Is, you know, all of the trike, the trailer, I've spent a lot of money getting all of these things ready and creating them so that they'll last. And uh, it's, it's nice to be able to do that uh, with the knowledge that I am pushing through to the end because uh, I can justify all those expenses. It's like, you know, buying a house that you're only going to live in for a year, you're not going to buy the best house. You're just going to buy the house and it's going to keep you comfortable for that year or month or whatever you want to analogize. Um, for example, Ryan. Ryan is not 100% sure that he's going to finish this thing. Uh, he's got a lot of life choices that he's making. And the offer that we've been working out is that he's going to join on and he's going to go as long as he feels comfortable. Um, I'm sure that we'll get through you know, the first three or four months with no problem you know, it's not like he's going to leave the tour by then. Uh, who knows what will happen with after Mount Everest, though? And uh, so he's not invested so much. So he has not invested so much. A ticket to uh, Ningbo, uh, a trike, and uh, just some, some setup. And I'm helping him as much as I can so that he can kind of get on his feet and ride along with me. But uh, he's not necessarily having to uh, go the extra mile with regards to setting up everything because it may not be a, a lifestyle for him like it is a lifestyle for me. So uh, it'll also be an interesting contrast to see uh, how my ride kit does against his ride kit, seeing as though his is going to be a little bit more uh, simplistic and mine is, is so robust. So what I think is going to happen is uh, in the big, we'll, we'll get started in the beginning of November um, uh, coming to terms with that is, is, uh, uh, is relaxing and understandable and, uh, coming to terms with a lot of things. You know, uh, I was really ashamed that I had to postpone my trip so many times, uh, so far. And, uh, I feel like, uh, not a liar. I just feel like I lost all credibility with, uh, the people that listen to the tour and the people that, uh, have have been joining me so far on this thing. And uh, the more you put something off, the less uh, um, meaning it has to the people that are enjoying the, the content that I provide. But when you do something, you got to do it right. And if you have the time, use the time. Just make sure you don't quit. Um, and that's the motto I'm trying to live by. As long as I don't quit and as long as I don't take forever um, then it's not necessarily a bad thing. I was actually considering uh, the last couple of days postponing the trip 
until after Mount Everest. There was a lot of benefits there, to be honest. If I stayed in Ningbo, I could train harder specifically for Mount Everest doing stair climbs and 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 working out in that uh, genre. I could keep all the trike and my gear together here in Ningbo uh, where it's safe and uh, it's not going anywhere. I could do some trips, you know, local trips. And then um, when I leave for Everest, I could leave directly for uh, from Ningbo to Kathmandu and then return to Ningbo and then get on the road from here. Um, it would also have been interesting to start because I, I would have probably returned around April. I could have done uh, Korea and Japan with no problem because I would have been into this the beginning of the, uh, the spring. And uh, that would have been a really cool thing, you know, to uh, ride those two countries. I'm, I'm really bummed that I have to pass those up. But... Uh, I put this past uh, Ryan and I said, hey, Ryan, what do you think about uh, if I was to put this off until uh, until, you know, after Everest? And he was just like, you can't you can't say you can't put off over and over and over. It's just not uh, you're going to end up putting it off again. You're going to end up putting it off again. And in in a lot of ways, he was right. Um he also said that Japan and Korea aren't going anywhere. And uh, at the end of this whole story, however it ends, you can go back there. And uh, he said, that's when he also said, you know, I can take care of your trike, you know, while you're in Everest, because I plan on kind of settling down a little bit while you're there. And uh, so things kind of fit in and some questions that I had revealed themselves and, and kind of ironed themselves out. And so I, 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 I was a moment where the tour was going to take another pause for about five, six months. I was going to get a lot of hate on uh, Facebook. And uh, I'm sure a lot of people were going to be like, no, that's it. Matt, uh, Matt's not going anywhere. (laughs) But, you know, I'm not doing it for you guys. I'm doing it for for me and to promote the Jayo message. You know, I I am doing it for... uh, showing what life is like on the road, but I'm not doing it specifically to appease somebody is what I'm saying. You know, I try to live my life not under the thumb of somebody. It's part of the, you know, Jayo mantra, adding fuel to life, your life, you know, the way you want to live. And uh, so, but, you know, you also have to weigh options and see, you know, cost benefit analysis of everything. And I, I, I went through a moment about 30 hours where I was considering uh, postponing. But uh, after my talk with Ryan, as well as some other considerations, I decided that uh, no matter what, I have to get out as soon as Ryan gets here and he's ready to go to hit the road uh, and continue the plan. So, yeah. I will hit the road when, uh, when everything kind of culminates. I'm uh, let's see. Let's shout out a date. Let's say no first week in November. Let's say uh, I'd like to be on the road the first week in November. Then, uh, then we can head south and be warm fairly quickly. So there we are. Uh, this is the next latest update in the Jio Nation uh, podcast, the Jio World Tour. Uh, follow me on Facebook, Jio Life. Follow me on my website, Jio.com. Or go to uh, YouTube and search for the Jio Travelogs. Um, 
I'm working on another really beautiful Jayo travelogue, which will tie in uh, the next phase of this tour. I've said it on my other podcasts, but it is in process and uh, it's getting ready. So I'm actually leaving now. Uh, it's uh, almost six o'clock and at seven o'clock, I've got to be at a uh, business uh, mixer with some friends uh, who are going to be having a couple of beers and talking about what they're doing in China. And a lot of them are foreigners uh, doing their thing here. Actually, it might be interesting to someday uh, do some some conversation with other conversations with other expats so that you could hear what their life is like here in China. But for now, it's just me sitting at my desk talking to you about the tour and talking to you about what I'm feeling, what I'm doing. So uh, remember uh, to tune in next time for the Jayo Nation podcast. Um, any opportunity you ever have to add fuel to your life in any way, do so.